after the first three weeks of AdWords testing, it told me that this is not going to work, that it wasn't even close, and there's nothing you can do to the landing page, nothing that you can do to the product that's going to change that. But I kept going for another two and a half months when I could have been spending that those three months on the blog that had gone from zero to 100,000 monthly visitors that was just sitting there doing nothing because I was so consumed with not wanting to admit to failure. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Brandon Gailey. Brandon, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock. All right. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. First of all, audience, I want you to know that um, I listen to every single podcast that comes out from Brandon. What I love about it is that he is a methodical guy that gives you a concise podcast with actionable advice. So that's how I know him as well as through Podcasters Paradise. He wins the award for the most succinct bio, which is Brandon grew his blog from zero to one million monthly visitors in less than 18 months. He hosts a podcast called The Blogging Millionaire where he shares exactly how he did it. Brandon, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Well, I guess the the area that I want to start with is just where I came from. And in my 20s, I had a, a couple of multi-million dollar businesses, had a lot of success. It was pretty much everything that I did was successful. They kind of called me saying that I had the Midas touch. And then as I was approaching 30, I started to have a lot of health problems and didn't quite realize what was going on. Started to lose my mental cognition and my some physical problems at the same time. Ended up moving from Texas to United Kingdom to kind of just get away. And my hope was that I could recover from my illness and return triumphant. After a year and a half, I had uh, pretty much lost every single dollar I'd ever made from all those multi-million dollar companies. It was just like once you lose the ability to make money and you don't have your mental cognition, you can make a lot of bad mistakes really quickly. And I came back to Houston and Went to the hospital several times, was put in the hospital and had a code blue and barely pulled out of that one. And after a couple of years, uh, I finally was able to go through a hundred different specialists and they found out what was going wrong with me. It was a rare disorder called dysautonomia. And they found out just in time to kind of free me from that mental fog that I was in because my wife had just became pregnant and she was given a diagnosis of stage three inflammatory breast cancer. So it was just fortunate that I was able to come out of that and be there for her. We were able to get through it. Our, our child was born healthy and she became cancer-free a year later and she's been cancer-free ever since. So I have a good idea about dealing with failure, losing it all, and, and health plays a big role. And, and I just wanted to mention that before I told, told another story of my worst investment ever. Well, that is quite a bottom to come out of. And uh, I remember listening to you tell your story before. And uh, so <laughs> when I look at my bottom, as we all do, we all have our bottoms and we have new bottoms coming in some cases. But, you know, the key thing is to you can pull out of a bottom. And I think that's the message that I take away 
from what I've learned listening to you and your story. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. A couple of months before this, I'd probably say about six to seven months before that, one of my employees came to me and asked me to take a look at her blog. I had a marketing firm at the time, just a couple of employees. It was doing okay, but I did most of the work. So when I took a look at her blog, I thought to myself, I need to come up with my own blog because I'm not going anywhere, constantly making the phone calls and, and doing a lot of the work myself. So I researched it, all the blogs out there that were very successful, kind of analytically broke them down, reverse engineered what they were doing right, launched my blog. And four months later, I was already getting over 100,000 monthly visitors. And as that was going on, I was trying to figure out what, what can I do to make more money from my blog? At the time, I was using it to get more clients to my marketing firm, but I was also hoping that I could come up with another revenue stream to maybe free myself from having a marketing firm. So I had this idea that I was going to have a business called Motivation in a Box. It was a subscription boxes were, were pretty popular at that point. That was kind of the peak of that service. And I figured I, I could offer this box service where I would give them a motivational book on CD because at the time I loved that. And I thought this is going to be an instant hit. And each month I would just, they would get a different motivational CD about how to build their business, how to mindset for success. And all that excitement made me just forget the whole testing process. I decided this is going to work. I don't want to wait to test this. I'm ready to go. So I hired a firm in, in China to, to design the box and get that all done. And of course, you, you've got a minimum amount of order that you have to do, which was a thousand. So I had a thousand boxes designed and, and freighted over. And I paid the extra freight cost because I was like, I got to get this going right away. I, I need all those boxes because the orders are going to come in like crazy. And then I uh, contacted the, uh, one of the companies that, that is publishes the audiobooks. I went ahead and saw there was a price break if I ordered at least 500 uh, audiobooks. So I went ahead and said, oh, this is a no-brainer. So I ordered over 500 audiobooks to fill the first 500 boxes, tissue paper, uh, logo stickers. Everything was perfectly packaged down to an expensive thank you note that would be in every single box because at the time, the unboxing of your subscription box was the biggest thing. And I wanted to make sure that the first time someone saw that, it would just be the best thing that they ever ever seen. Even though I read a few blog posts that said, maybe you should, uh, when you get started with your subscription box, that you just use the free stuff from the postal service and just stick it in an envelope, send them what they're ordering and don't worry about all the extra cost. But I flew past that stop sign and pretty much everything that I've always focused on, which is that slow testing process before launching. And I got that big pallet in and, and started I got my employees over for my marketing firm and said, okay, forget about what we're doing with the marketing firm. I want you to start boxing this stuff. Understand how to do the postage because I had bought a postage meter, all the stuff that I didn't do because everything that I'd done up to then, all those multi-million dollar companies in my 20s, it was all about online business. And here I am trying to physically ship products thinking that this was going to be a success. So I got in there and I, I have extreme knowledge and 
in AdWords, Facebook advertising, SEO. Granted, SEO takes a while to do it, but started with the advertising and I just could not get any traction. I redesigned the, the landing page a couple of times, but after two to three months, I had a total of two to three sales. And it was as bad as it could get for any type of launch. But sometimes that's a good thing. I would have rather it be two to three sales as opposed to 100 sales where it'd be kind of borderline where it kept hanging on. Because at that point, after three months, I knew that this was a major loss. Now, part of me wanted to recoup the $7,000 that I had put in it. Now, but, and I wasn't even thinking about my blog that was taking off because I was just spending all this time on this new investment that I thought for sure would pay off. And I was reluctant to give up because after the first three weeks of AdWords testing, it told me that this is not going to work, that it wasn't even close and there's nothing you can do to the landing page, nothing that you can do to the product that's going to change that. But I kept going for another two and a half months when I could have been spending that those three months on the blog that had gone from zero to 100,000 monthly visitors that was just sitting there doing nothing because I was so consumed with not wanting to admit to failure. So when it was all said and done after that three months, said goodbye to it and, and just was going to forget about the $7,000 investment. And what was interesting was the boxes served as a reminder to me that never to do this again, because I had 1000 boxes that were piled almost five feet high in the corner of my office with my assistant. So we would be able to see that pile of boxes there. I think that was around November when we gave up on it. So the boxes sat there for another 13 months. And what was interesting, when it came to Christmas the next year, I was part of this big office building and they had a Christmas contest. And as part of that Christmas contest, I decided to just box up as many boxes as we can, we can and try to give out a couple of hundred of them just for free as, as Christmas gifts. So I dressed as Santa and my two assistants dressed as elves and we went around introducing ourselves and what we did for business and, and just gave out the boxes for free. And that was a, a pretty big hit. Everyone loved it. And the interesting thing about it, from giving out those boxes, we actually got a client and that six month contract that we got from the client was exactly $7,000, which was what <laughs> my investment was. So 13 months later, when I decided to just give them away, I was able to recoup my investment. But the big thing about this is just the three months doesn't seem like a big amount of time in business or in life. But the fact that those three months were right there after my blog was just going, just taking off. And for me to just say, okay, I'm just going to not pay attention to this and focus it on something else without testing it. It was a really bad decision. I just feel for that a story from my own experience, but I'm curious what lessons, if you had to list out the lessons that you learned from it, how would you describe those? Well, one of the big lessons that I learned and I, and I had time to reflect upon and I shared it on my podcast actually about, because I listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast. He had one episode where it was just talking about all the things he learned the previous year. And one of the questions he would ask himself was, do I need to figure out a way to earn the money back that I lost. 
And, and that was that whole aspect where I was hanging on to that $7,000 and I, and I stuck with it another two and a half months longer than I should have because I was worried about the $7,000 and I wasn't doing the math to the amount of money I was losing by investing my time because as a small business owner or as a solopreneur, or even if you're just managing your own finances, you've got to understand the value of every hour of your time. And a lot of times we forget about that. And I was focusing on the $7,000 and not realizing the tens of thousand dollars that were being lost, not just because of my time, but because I had two employees that were just spending all their time on this at the same time. So that was one of the big lessons I learned there, just to be able to to let go of a loss and, and accept it and move on right away. Got it. All right. Let me summarize a couple of things I take away from this story. I mean, I've been through some similar situation when we started one of my businesses in Thailand called Coffee Works. We started that in 1995 and we thought it was going to be a knockout, you know, very instantly. And of course it wasn't. And what we didn't also re- realize, and I teach this in my finance classes is that the working capital needs were much more than we thought. We just thought, hey, let's buy a roasting machine and import it from America and set that up in a factory. But, you know, getting the green coffee to roast would be no problem until we went to get it and they said, well, minimum quantity is, is a ton. <laughs> and we're thinking, oh God, well, you know, we feel pretty good about our business. So we think we could sell that ton, you know, in a couple months. And so, and then we said, okay, so that already stretched us. And then they said, so we said, well, can we get credit terms? And they said, no, we don't give credit terms to our new customers. So it's cash. <laughs> so we had this cash tied up. And I remember that that pallet of coffee, I can still visualize it in the factory um, where it was sitting in the corner, that it was like two years later when we finally roasted the last of that <laughs> pallet. And it was just enough to almost take us down. That is it from, from my business perspective. But there's a few things that you mentioned that I think are interesting. The first you're talking about, what you're talking about really is the concept of opportunity cost. What could I be doing with my time? And opportunity cost really does come down to time. You got a certain amount that you can allocate of your own and also of the people that work for you. The second thing is the entrepreneurial seizure, as Michael Gerber says in the E-Myth, which is you know a fantastic book about startups that we get so excited about our idea that we don't research it. And I think one of the things that I've tried to explain about investing and what I've learned from this podcast is that you want to separate your research that you're doing on the return from the research that you do on the risk. And if you could actually have either two people doing that or you separate it into two parts, it may be a way that you could say, yeah, okay, get all excited about the return and all of that. But now take your return hat off and put your risk hat on and say, what could go wrong? And I think that separating the research that you do into two parts is critical. And then the last thing I would say is that there's an emotional factor that you've talked about. And it's an emotional factor for yourself, but it's also an emotional factor for your employees. And I've felt it myself for people I've worked for. And I know people who work for me have felt it when, you know, when you switch gears and you go in a direction when there's something right on their plate, right in front of them why aren't we getting this? That can be really frustrating for an employee. And sometimes, you know, it, it may shake them to the core. So those are some of the takeaways. I'm, I'm curious, did I miss anything or any of those things resonate? No, all of those things resonated. You've pretty much hit all of the ones that, that I dealt with and it, it hurts hearing about it. Uh, and it's amazing that you have, are able to look at this and analyze my story and just break it down perfectly 
But like you said, I was just full of emotion and, and so sure of it that I just flew past that stop sign and didn't test. And even when I did the testing with AdWords and the tests were coming back, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I still was just so gung-ho because I, was, I just thought this was the best idea ever and it had to work. I just wasn't paying attention. It was just all emotional and no analytical, no time of the research. And like you said, it, you just have to be able to, to separate that emotion and get excited about the return, but also do the, your due diligence with the risk. Yeah, exactly. And, and what I've learned from this podcast after doing many interviews and also reading, you know, 500 stories of people that have submitted stories is that I've categorized risks into six different categories, major categories. Of course, there's a myriad of ways within each category that you can lose your money. <laughs> but there's five core risks, but the sixth one is a category unto itself. And that is you invested in a startup. And that is where a lot of people lose a lot of money by making various mistakes along the way. And today, we've gotten the privilege to listen to your mistake, what you've learned from it. And let's wrap up with some, with some actionable advice. So based on what you've learned from this story, as well as what you've continued to learn, I mean, I know you are a methodical guy. So I'm just curious, what one action? would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate considering they're probably going through their entrepreneurial seizure right now? Well, I definitely uh, took it to heart for this situation that I went through and I take the 80, 20 rule to a new level because I, with my rare health condition that I have dysautonomia, I have to sleep 13 hours a day, every day, and there's just no way around it. So I, between that and having two young boys and a wife and managing all that, I only have so many hours during the day. So it's very important that the 80-20 rule now becomes the 90-10 rule. And I focus every single hour on the things that are proven commodities. I no longer am, am trying to hear, I hear a tactic and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to try something new that I've never done before. And maybe I'm missing out. No, I just continually go back and look at the areas where I'm making my money, the most money, and say, how can I take this a step further? Can I expand upon this a little bit further to make more money without having to try to go over somewhere else and create a new revenue stream that's unproven? Make the most money out of what you're already making money from before you bother with something else. Oh, that is just, you know, fantastic advice. I know for many listeners out there, including myself, there's so many shiny objects, there's so many different things that we get excited about. But I think what you're telling us is focus your time, stay focused and focus on what's generating the income and optimize that and then don't get distracted. So I, I really appreciate it. And I'll, I think we'll wrap it up at that point And I'll just tell our audience, you've got another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risks, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And as we wrap up, Brandon, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. And I'll tell to the listeners, I 
highly recommend that you go to his website called www.theblogmillionaire.com and also listen on there. You'll see resources and, and things that he provides and courses that he has to help people do what he does. But don't miss his podcast because it is 15 minutes or so of gold every single time. Brandon, do you have any parting words for our audience? I want to thank you very much for allowing me to be on the show. And, and I just want to say that thinking about your past failures and talking about them and having that opportunity, don't be afraid to, to break those down because in those failures, you learn the most. There hasn't been one time where I've had breakout success that wasn't, that didn't have a failure happen right before it that pushed my thinking outside of that norm that I had before the failure. So embrace your failures, learn from them, and then go with it. Amen, brother. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.